amongst us here, uh, many people from the Nitsitapi. We are here today because um, today's topic is the closing of the Kainai Correction Center. And it's something that affects all of us. And I think that will become clear as we hear from Rick Soup and Beverly Hungry Wolf, who are going to share the podium. Rick is the director. He will speak first, and then I will, I will bring Beverly up uh, two-thirds of the way through the speech. So Rick Soup is the director of Kainai Corrections, and I'd like to welcome him up here. Let's have a big hand. Okay, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, the committee here uh, and all in attendance for this opportunity to uh, speak uh, on behalf of our center and um, um, a lot of the issues that uh, we feel that uh, need to be raised. And um, so I understand uh, we've got some time constraints here, so I'm, you know, I'm going to try and stick to those as, as, as much as possible. Uh, I've got 20 minutes that I want to uh, speak. And then um, uh, I've brought an elder, Beverly Hungry Wolf, to speak for 10 minutes on uh, what she does in the elders program because I think it's such an important area that uh, is, um, you know, is um, such an important component for us that I think it needs, you know, someone to speak on, on that specific uh Part there. Um, before I get started, I just wanted to um, just say how I met up uh, with James, uh, or how how we uh, got to hook up there. Um, we were notified of our closure in February, February 9th. Uh, we didn't have any consultation, uh, prior consultation that we were closing, and um, so it came as quite a shock to us on this date. Uh, there were some individuals that came down from Ed Edmonton, the Solicitor General's Department, and basically delivered a letter to us advising of the closure effective March 31st. So I, I got a call shortly after that from uh, from James, and uh, I'd never met him before, um, but he, he expressed um, concerns, and, you know, I, I thought that was... Uh, Really good for someone from Lethbridge to to um, you know express their concerns regarding our closure. And um, he told me at the time, uh, Rick, we've got to we've got to raise this issue. Um, there's something going on at the University of Lethbridge, the Native uh, Awareness Week. Uh, I've got connections there. Uh, I can get you on to speak at a uh, a forum or. or uh, in front of some committee there and said, okay, I'll meet you there. We had brought our display. Um, we had brought our uh, petition and we had that going. And then I met with James and he said, well, I think we've got a slight problem here. Uh, the organizers um, can't find a, a place to fit us in uh, to speak here. And uh, so he said, there's a powwow going on right now. Um, this was at lunch hour. He said, "Why don't you, why don't you interject uh, during this powwow and, and just express some concerns to 
to the university students and I was getting a little leery at that time because for us a, a, a powwow is is, uh, is something that we celebrate and uh, you know I felt uh, it's something akin to like uh, having a, a wedding and trying to make a funeral announcement there at the same time <laughs> so but it, it went ahead good um, and um, you know from there he said uh, we've got to go to Sackpine and, and uh, so here we are today so what I'm doing here is with our PowerPoint I'm letting it run because um, I have other uh, other areas that I want to talk about but uh, I'll, I'll very briefly talk about uh, some of the things at the start here especially in regards to our mandate and our objectives of, of uh, Kainai Corrections so the primary focus of Kainai Community Corrections Society is to provide culturally sensitive and community-based corrections programs and other services for any person in our jurisdiction that is affected by the criminal justice system. Emphasis is placed on community and interagency involvement. So that's you know the main background for us is community involvement. Um, we realize that there's highly disproportionate numbers out there um, regarding Aboriginal offenders. There's many statistics, many reports that have been done over the years um, that have indicated um, that these rates are really disproportionate. When we started in the late 80s, um, these numbers were, were around back then as well. But I think they're getting worse. Um, back then there were a number of reports that were going on uh, ones that I recall specifically were the Kazi report um, there was one specific to our tribe called the Ralph Inquiry uh, there was a Royal Commission uh, RCAP report they call it Royal Commission report on Aboriginal people all these reports indicated that we need more Aboriginal people involved in the system in terms of working in the system, not being the market for the system. And um, a number of these reports still continue today. Um, I think uh, in the introduction uh, there was a report from uh, Howard Sappers that was mentioned, uh, that was done recently and uh, indicating that it's now a crisis situation. And... Um, I think it, it deserves, it's, it's a matter that deserves attention from all Albertans uh, because it affects everybody. Um, we believe, just as everybody else, that we want healthy, vibrant, safe, and secure communities. In order to accomplish this, um, I think we need to work together. And, and that's going to be the basis of my talk today is building bridges um, amongst our, our communities, our, our agencies. Um, there's a quote from Kazi there in the introduction that uh, uh, the only thing that works for natives comes from natives. Well, I think there's, there's some v validity to that, but that was 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. Um, over that time period, um, I've worked in corrections. I've seen 
a lot of good things happen. I've worked with a lot of good people in corrections, not only uh, locally here, but um, other areas. And I think this is something that we need to continue to build. And uh, because the problem is is out there, and uh, I won't I won't bother going into a lot of the statistics because I think people already realize uh, the high numbers. Um, you know, the socioeconomic factors that are involved uh, uh, in these areas. But uh, during question period, if there's questions on those areas, I'll, I'll be happy to answer as best I can. And I've brought some people here with me from our organization, um, uh, the chairperson uh, for Kainai Corrections, Mr. Bert Tallman, is here as well. Uh, we have a, another elder, Art Calling Last, uh, who... Uh, is involved in a lot of our uh, sweat lodges and, and ceremonies, so um, he can answer a lot of questions in those areas. Now, we have uh, five sub-agreements at Kainai Corrections, uh, which we run. We run a 24-bed minimum security um, corrections facility for Aboriginal male offenders. We run probation services, we run um, a court worker program. We run a crime prevention program. And then we have the elders program, which is, uh, as I mentioned, a key component. So overall, we have 20 full-time staff. Uh, we have six elders presently. I believe we have about nine casual correctional officers and one wage staff. So... Uh, that's basically uh, the or org structure of our, our organization. And then we have the board of directors, uh, two members from chief and council, and four community members that are on the board. And we're an entity of the Blood Tribe. Now, I just want to skip ahead a little bit to, um, because these um, slides indicate the, the type of work that we do and there's there's uh, you know information there uh, we've got some statistics um, that I'll uh, refer to later on but um, I just wanted to refer to what what happened to us on February 9th um, as I mentioned it was it was a complete shock to us uh, that this um, the notice of closure and, and it was a very short notice uh, March 31st from February 9th is, is not very long um, it wasn't in relation to any performance issues that um, they, they mentioned to us. Uh, it was basically that the center was underutilized, um, that um, the, I think there's one slide here that indicates over the years uh, um, how many inmates we averaged. Um, you know, I think it was around 16 or you know, somewhere in there. Um, Later on in my talk, I want to get into why I feel um, there are numbers out there that we could, we could still pick from to, to keep the center at 24 maximum or close to that. Um, there are uh, things involved in the system, such as uh, security rating systems, uh, those kind of factors that uh, uh, keep us uh, from... Uh, having our facility full. Um, now, 
after the, the notice that we got, um, we developed an action plan um, from chief and council, and uh, we, we got some help in, in the area of uh, communications. Uh, we had to respond to media uh, right away because it was something that was out there. Um, we had a petition going. I believe we were up to, in, well, the first couple of weeks, I think it was up to like 2,500 signatures that were on our petition to keep keep the center going. Um, we met with key officials from the department, including uh, the Solicitor General Minister, Mr. Frank Oberly. Uh, we've met with him three times now. Uh, we met with uh, a lot of MLAs. Uh, one I, I noticed here was Bridget Pastor. Uh, we met with her. Uh, Evan Evans Berger from Fort McLeod Riding was another person. Uh, Royce Jacobs, uh, Kent Hare, Calgary Liberals. Uh, quite a few other ones that we met with. Uh, Greg Wiedek. Um but there seemed to be a, a groundswell of support that was was coming about, uh, not only from the work or efforts that we were doing, but uh, I think um, from the from agencies that we worked with, uh, from um, other departments. I know the Attorney General's Department, um, the uh, Aboriginal uh, Relations Department had uh, uh, positive uh, contributions. Um, uh, to help us keep going. So what happened is um, we've got a year extension on the Correctional Center um, and that's to allow us uh, a number of months to to review what we're doing, um, to look at um, areas that we can improve on um, and um, you know, we're going to be coming up with a proposal, uh, and hopefully by end of August, somewhere in September, uh, again, sitting down with the Solicitor's, Solicitor General's Department and, and going over these options. Um, so that's that's going to be our main focus in the next upcoming months. The other programs uh, have been reinstated. The Elders Program... The crime prevention program were reinstated. Uh, the code worker program, which is uh, funded under Attorney General, uh, was not affected, so that that uh, is ongoing. And uh, which one am I missing here? Um, there's uh, the elders. Um, oh, the probation program. Um, that is ongoing and um, that's another area that we're, we're looking at possible um, uh, different 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 things that we could work on or, or do things differently but uh, the overall program is will still be in place now uh, how am I doing for time here four minutes okay um some of the things that uh, we feel we need to work on in in uh, next up, upcoming months is um, there's a slide there, uh, slide number forty eight. I don't know if we could refer to that. Uh, 
um, Corey. But um, that's the one where it indicates all the Aboriginal offenders in Alberta. They took a snapshot picture. Um, this is uh, information provided by Solicitor General's Department. It's uh, called a snapshot picture, which is basically um, a picture of one day in, um, in corrections. Um, on the left is all the correctional centers. All the ones that have C, C in, in them are uh, correctional centers. The ones with R's are remand centers. So the ones that have been highlighted are Kina, or Calgary Correctional Center, Fort Saskatchewan Correctional Center, Lesbridge Correctional Center, and Peace River Correctional Center. And um, they're saying that overall only 5% of uh, the offenders are eligible for a minimum security rating. So just looking at their numbers from this snapshot, um, overall there were about 38 Aboriginal offenders um, available for minimum security. We find that stat quite uh, concerning because um, a lot of the offenders that we've worked with over the years um, uh, that possibly are, are at medium security, we feel should be minimum. We've worked a lot with them in the past. We're not involved in any of the ratings or how they're rated from minimum to medium. We don't even get access to or how, who's in Calgary or who's at the fort. Uh, we do get a uh, fax copy once a week from Lethbridge uh, indicating who's the Aboriginal offender. So Lethbridge is our main center that we work with, but we feel the programs that we have in place uh, involving the community, all the other agencies, we can do a much more effective job with these Aboriginal offenders. And um, this is why we feel it's so important to keep these programs going. Uh, like I mentioned, we're the only ones, I think, that are in Canada, even that's uh, provincially funded, that's on a reserve. Um, all the reports indicated that we need more Aboriginal-run uh, programs. to So to have this facility uh, not operating after 20 years and not find a way uh, to resolve some of the issues is is going to be um, not very good, not only our community, but also, I feel, the surrounding communities because of the high stats. Oops. So... Um, like I said, we'd like to be involved in the classification review in the future. Uh, we'd like to, uh, more involvement uh, in some of the committees uh, that, um, that look at uh, policies and those sorts, sorts of things. Um, female Aboriginal um, offender rates are on the rise. We think that's something that we need to look at. Okay, so I'm getting the tag here, but... Uh, these are, are a lot of the things that we feel are important, and um, I think during question period, if, you know, hopefully I can answer as, as many questions as you have. But uh, at this time, I'd like to introduce Beverly Hungry Wolf uh, to talk about the Elders Program. Sikh taxi, the Kinoku taxi, and Nanakik 
I'm very glad to see all of you. I um I always feel that it's important to build bridges. Um my name is uh, my Indian name is Black Faced Woman. I come from the Many Children clan. Um I um I guess I got into this kind of work because of the work that I did as a young woman. Um uh, all of you know that we had a very difficult time in boarding school. And because of my boarding school experience, I decided not to go to university, but rather to go study with my elders. That was my university. And in doing so, I get called into different places uh, to talk about our traditions. And one of the nicest places that I've been working at is Kainai Corrections, uh, teaching the young men about our traditional ways. I, um, I go in there every Sunday morning, and I sit with uh, the young men. Sometimes we do one-on-one -on -one counseling, and other times um, I do group sessions. I hold no punches back when I'm talking to to my boys. It's easy for me because I, I grew up in a family of... Uh, I'm the only girl in my family. I have seven brothers. So I know how to talk to guys. And... Um, um, my reward at Kainai Correction has been the young men that I work with coming up to me and saying, what you explained to me has given me a place in the world. Because of our history, um, we, we don't feel like we're Canadian anymore. And, um, so these young men are really lost. Um, a lot of them were taken away during the big scoop in the 60s. When if you had dirty windows or you didn't have a couch in your house, uh, welfare took you away and put you in a home. And some of these children are the ones that are coming back into our communities totally lost. And they're usually the ones that are um, committing crimes as well. A lot of these young men have said, um, you know, I was taken away when I was little. I barely know my parents. I don't have a place to go. So these issues are what we call intergenerational boarding school. And I have always explained to my young men, prison is the new boarding school for you. So you have to become warriors again and not avoid those places. Um, I, I talk very sternly with my young men, but they're all my friends. And um, the friendship continues even after we leave the center. They'll continue to come to Art or John or the elders from the center, and we help them. Um, a really big... Breakthrough happened for me um, 
I I met this young man about six six years ago. He came into our life, and um, he'd been through prison, and and um, I just did a one-on-one counseling with this young man. And the thing that he told me just really touched my heart. He said, when I was in prison here the other time, I, um, I went to a ceremony at our, one of our main ceremonies. Uh, my, uh, older brother here is the keeper. He's my older brother, but he's also my holy son. So we have these intricate relationships. He comes from my father's clan. So, um, he has a, a sacred bundle called the Beaver Bundle. So these young men, when we have the ceremony, we invite them down. They help do the work. I explain to them that their work is a prayer too. And then they help the elders uh, during the day. And this young man, young man saw us at our, at our ceremony and he said, for the first time, I felt like I belonged. And he said, I'm going to continue learning more about our native ways, and my commitment is my braids. This young man has braids down below his waist, braided, not his hair loose, but totally braided. And these are the breakthroughs that we look for. And they happen to us elders at various times, and they share these things with us. And... um. I really feel that Kainai Corrections has kept a lot of young men out of prison. Uh, there's dire, in, in the year 2000, I went up to, uh, a thing in Calgary at Banff. Um, it was called Crossroads 2000. And at the time, they gave us all the statistics about what would be happening with our young people. And um, those statistics are coming true. Um, as you see, the Native population makes up 0.01 of the Canadian population, but we make up like 38 to 48% of the prison population. I had um, a really good Christmas meal with one of the ladies from the Lethbridge Provincial Jail. She's been a secretary out there for 25 years, and she was my uh, seatmate, and we were visiting, and and she said, you know, I want to tell you something. She said, you know, your native offenders are really nice men. <laughs> and I told her, really? She said, yeah, your native men don't do bad crimes. It's mostly alcohol-related and family violence. And um, other than that, you know, they don't do much crime. She said, I would feel safer with a native prisoner any day he said but i really have to watch the non-native prisoners they're violent and um i told her so you know uh mr blackplum we had a character on our reserve and uh his name was cecil blackplum
him. But every Christmas he made a point of going to jail so he could entertain the prisoners during Christmas holidays. They'd have a powwow and all kinds of things. And um, and I, he said, oh, Cecil was a beautiful man. And when I thought about it, I really thought hard about it. And I looked at my people, and what I saw was the people that were in the religious hierarchy are now the alcoholics. And it was a real eye-opener for me because uh, they were pushed from a certain certain status during a residential school to be... And it's still going on today. A lot of my grandmother's uh, children, she was the last Sundance woman among our people, uh, the traditional Sundance women. And her children, her grandchildren, are the street people of today. So where they were once the hierarchy, they were pushed to the bottom because of residential school, you know, uh, the churches trying to push us in, in a, in a certain directions. So a lot of these children were really uh, picked on at school and they became the alcoholics because what they knew as a good life was uh, being um, uh, destroyed. So they felt this and a lot of them became the alcoholics of today. Um We've had a lot of successes, and unfortunately, uh, the media doesn't cover that. But when something negative happens in our community, they make a really big thing of it. Um, a lot of our successes are in school. Our, we're educating our kids so that they have a means of employment, our biggest thing that was taken away from us was our source of employment. And, you know, idle hands, you know what happens with idle hands. You know, in 1962, the government came in and said, you can't farm your own lands. My dad was told who, to, who could farm his land. 1965, they gave us, uh, they forced alcohol on us. My tribe voted against it. But they said, because we can't tell the difference between a Brocket Indian and a Blood Indian, they, they didn't know how to take out um, our status cards because our status cards tell us, tell the people which tribe we're from. But anyways, they said we're going to give alcohol to the uh, blood, blood people. 1969, our welfare office opened. And that tells you a really big story in, in a nutshell. So that's what's happened to our people. And because we were working with a foreign religion, it didn't really mean that much. And now that we teach our young people our own ways and our own religion, because our own religion makes people responsible for themselves. I don't go saying, hey, that guy made me do this, that guy made me do this. I know that I have to take responsibility for myself. So what we try to teach the young men 
is to take responsibility for themselves, for their families and their communities so that we could live up to the mandate of Corrections Canada that we make sure that the offender is a safe person to go back into the community. We want these young men to thrive. We you know, we counsel them. You can go get some education dollars here. You can go over here and help. Whatever we can help them with to um, make them get on on their feet. But most importantly, if something's bothering them, hurting them, we try and pull it out of them. Because a lot of the time, men don't show their emotions. And I always tell them, you know, you guys are really rational and us girls are really emotional. So make sure when you're being rational that you think about your stuff and bring it out in a rational way so that we can work on it. We can talk about it. So that way you don't reoffend. You have something to cling on to. You have your elders and our after program is we continue working with these young men. We keep telling them, go here, go there. So my work doesn't end when a prisoner leaves our center. Our, our work continues because sometimes a lot, uh, some of the clients will come back to the center and say, well, I'm thinking about this. What do you think of it? Or they'll phone me at home and say, well, I need to know about this. Could you help me? So whatever their issues are, we try to help them, whether they're in prison or out. Uh, thank you for listening to us, and um, I'm really glad our center had an opportunity to share what we do with you. Thank you.